I am so excited for you to listen to today's conversation with Janet Allison. Um, I I opened the conversation telling Janet that I say hi, mom, because she is like my adopted mother. Um, I love Janet deeply. And I've known her for over 10 years and she is such an expert on understanding boys and helping females um, understand their their little boys and their teen boys and the boy brain. Um, and in the conversation, I actually, I actually said, I didn't realize this, but you are like, you are a boy ally, obviously. Um, and this is not just about understanding our boys. This is about understanding boys and men and really advocating for all of us to have a space in the world and understanding our brains. But I will tell you as a woman and as a mother, the number one thing that Janet has gifted me is you know, helping me relinquish that control. I think so many of us, especially the ones that are listening to this episode, you know, we, you're forward thinking, you are thinking outside of the box, but that burden that we carry of like, I need to fix my children. Um, no, you don't. And I hope this conversation opens you up a little bit more to how we are actually part of the problem as women. And that may be triggering. It may be emotionally uncomfortable for you, but I want you to see how, you know, doing less better and realizing that we don't need to know everything. Um, we actually need to raise boys differently and we need to be open and curious to how we can hold sacred space for these boys and men to evolve and grow um, in a healthy, thriving way and how there is space for the female brain and there is space for the male brain as well. So I would be so curious to know your biggest takeaway. Take a screenshot of today's episode, tag me on Instagram. You can tag um, at Heather Chauvin, uh, C-H-A-U-V-I-N. Send me a DM on Instagram. I love engaging in these conversations with you. But before we dive in, I want you to go also follow Janet. Her website is Boys Alive, like B-O-Y-S, alive.com. Um, you can find Janet on um, Instagram as well. I believe, let me see here. Do, 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 do. It is boys.alive, boys.alive on Instagram. And um, her podcast is called On boys, like O-N, like on boys. So go check out that podcast everywhere. She she also interviews uh, with her co-host, so many boy experts. So there's so much resource um, on her, so many resources on her podcast as well. So if you were like, oh my gosh, brainwash me, tell me all the things I need to know about boys, understanding them, school, education, all the things, head on over there and check her out. All right, let's dive in. I actually was just going to, um, I am recording, but I was going to say, hi, mom. Aw. Hi, daughter. <laughs> Your daughter family. and friend. And that's the best thing. Even my own daughters feel like friends. And and you are definitely a daughter of my heart, Heather. I love it. And I a friend. Love I love I you love to you pieces. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely more more friend relationship, but I'm always giving you grief because I'm like, I could be your daughter. And, <laughs> um, you know, I'm teaching you things. You're definitely teaching me a lot. You have been such a 
pivotal, I'm going to call you mentor besides friend and all the things, um, understanding my boys. I have lots Mm -hmm. of boy energy and male energy around me. Uh, Three boys, male partner. And I will never forget one of the first, one of the takeaways, you know, when you're just like, someone's like, this is the one liner that I remember from you, but you really taught me the difference between the male and female brain. And before Mm -hmm. we get into this conversation, before I hit record, I said to you, I have had to do so much inner work, not even understanding the difference between the biology of the male and female brain, um, but also my own, like, whether you want to call it patriarchy or whatever, like trauma with the male brains in my life Mm -hmm. that I have uh, learned to come to respect the male brain and the, yeah taking my power back, but also understanding how the difference is. So I'm positioning that because this conversation is really, really important, not only raising boys and understanding male brains, but the strengths that we both carry and how we can co-create together. So I just love you to pieces. You were the person that was the game changer for me when it came to that Quick tips and strategies, all the things. But what do you do? What do you introduce to people when you're when they're like the male brain? What the boy brain? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll just give you the microphone for a minute. How do we okay. raise better boys? We have to understand that they operate completely different than we do. So uh, a, a doctor at one point had a the image of the male brain is a series of boxes. The female brains like spaghetti and we're, you know, we're busy all the time. And that is the, the way our brains are designed and I won't go into all the science behind it, but you know, we're the ones awake at 3am while our spouse is snoring away and it kind of makes us mad at times. And so the male brain, if you could think, oh, series of boxes. Okay. As you said before, Brian's cooking dinner. He is only cooking dinner. He is fully focused on cooking dinner. And and you were over there giving him the, we got to do this and this and this. And because he lives with you, he could say, I'm I'm cooking dinner. Let's talk about this later. So he's in the dinner box. But the biggest box of the male brain is the nothing box, which I think is the one that drives us crazy because he can think about nothing. He's not thinking about you. He's not thinking about, you know, the next soccer match, school, homework. He's just in that nothing place. And as women, it's really hard to understand that and accept it. But when we do, then we have the key. We have the way in to our boys, to our men, to our fathers. And it's, I I feel, I've always felt like, you know, we have the ability women, broad generalization, but we have the ability to be flexible in our communication. And we can recognize, oh, I am talking too much to this man right now. So I'm going to just go and sit beside him. And we're going to look off into the distance. And we're just going to maybe touch shoulders and breathe. And let there be pauses. Let there be silence. Uh, talking bullet points, 
So you don't have to fill in all the detail about what the weather was and how the whatever, whatever, just get to the essentials one at a time. Let there be pause. When there is pause, he's thinking. But if you're talking, 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 he can't get to the place of processing. And the other thing I love is if you want to tell him something, it is so helpful for him if you say, honey, I really need your help solving this problem, number one. Or number two, I really just want you to hear me. Nothing to solve because that's their that's their MO. They want to solve and fix things. But for us, it's not always something that needs to be solved. It just needs to be said. And what a relief for him to go, okay, I know what to do. I got it. I'm going to listen with the problem-solving mind, or I'm just going to listen. I don't have to remember. I just need to listen. There's so it's- much. <laughs> I'm like, okay, my female brain is going. Yes. I want to talk about it. <laughs> um, that bullet less points, talking, Heather. Bullet points. That less talking <laughs> has been such a game changer um, because I, when I finally understood, like when my children are like, you're overwhelming me. Um, the oldest will often say that to me. And he used That's to so say good. that many times. You're overwhelming me. Mm-hmm. Like, mom, you gave me a list of three things to do. And you keep adding to that list. Like Mm -hmm. I can never get this list done. And in hindsight, when I think about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I understand we do the best we possibly can. Um, one thing at a time, right. Mm -hmm. One thing, get it done, move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot of inner work that I've had to do to learn to be, but just having that in my back pocket, has diffused so many arguments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, something else that you just mentioned too, I realize like people are like, oh, you're around a lot of masculine energy. It just depends on everyone's perspective and lens. Um, I need that feminine energy in my life, like meaning feminine friendships, right? Definitely. Just like boys need boys, men need men. Um, but when I'm with them too much, I'm like, nobody will talk to me. <laughs> like people will right. talk to me. <laughs> People will talk to me, but I'm like, I need to verbally process here. (laughs) And everyone's like, are you done yet? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to co-create. So Brian will sit there and look at me and be like, just need you to know I'm tired and I'm listening, but I'm not going to react. And call your girlfriend and process with her. And that's why we need women in our lives, of course. And that if you can think about the male brain, Um, We have places in our brain that process language. We have the corpus callosum that has the nerve fibers that let things go between the hemispheres. The male brain has less of that, those nerve fibers making the crossing, and they have fewer places to process language. So I always liken it to like, it's a train and there's fewer train stations for this one to stop. So we just have to stop. It's good for us to stop and breathe. And also, I think it's really important to talk about the 
we have really high expectations, which is great. We have high expectations of, you know, conversations, the to-do list, whatever it is. And to understand that many males operate from a place of fear and shame. I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not good enough. What if? So I just think holding that in your heart can also be a game changer, as you said, just recognizing that. Can you go into that more? Because don't women also operate from fear and shame? How is it different in the male brain? Well, I think that, I mean, of course, I think maybe we all operate in some way from, from fear and shame, but, and it's not so much the male brain, but I think it's the culture. It's the culture from day one. You can't do that. You're bad. You, you know, boys don't cry. Boys, you know, sit still or you're bad and wrong. It's all the messaging that we give our kids from our boys, typically from day one. And if they're in school, they're getting that message every single day. So going and, you know, I just think of a boy going off to school. Maybe he's been in a, you know, little homeschool, preschool, whatever, but then he goes off to kindergarten or first grade and every single teacher is female. Or at least I think the stats now are like 96% of in America our teachers are female. So you go to school every day and all you see are more women who are talking, who have, and even when you're kind of like, I know about boys, I'm, I'm on, you know, I'm on the boy train. It's so embedded in us that it comes out because the noise, the movement, the, you know, interruptions, all the things, because boys are so impulsive. It's all those things that kind of go against our grain, many of us. And I I mean, that's why I'm in this work, because I was a teacher and these boys were insane as first graders. Okay. Before she dives into like her story, I want to tell you as a mother of three boys, my boys at the time of this recording are 18, 13, and 10. And the youngest is almost 11. And that cultural belief that the older children get, the easier it gets, to me personally, in my experience, is a lie. Um, do I sleep better through the night? 1,000%. Is it as chaotic uh, physically? Not necessarily, but emotionally. Holy shit. If you, I will tell, I say this to people over and over again. If I didn't practice what I preach um, and do the emotional emotional work, it would have tenfold hit me like a punch in the face when your children become teenagers. So I'm just warning you now, what you tell yourself about parenting, that it gets easier as they get older, is a fucking lie. Now, this is what I want to tell you. Janet is explaining the male brain, the boy brain, all of that. The number one tip that I tell people is earplugs. Learning how to regulate my nervous system was a game changer in not being emotionally reactive towards my boys. Um, Earplugs. You are not taking away from them. You are not shutting them out. You are just calming down the sensory input inside of your body. 
um, for earplugs, earplugs, earplugs. So there's so much that I want to say about this episode in the sense like she's she's like planting seeds, but also the the part where I talk about uh, she's like, yes, go go process that with your female friends. Our husbands, if you are married to a male partner or someone with male biology, like male brain, um, they're not here to be our friends. And the our needs as women need to be met outside of our parenting and outside of our partnerships, especially if you are in a partnership with a man. So there's so much here. You can see, holy shit, I'm trying to get these people to to be my everything or to please me in a certain way that they're just not wired to do. And your reaction to your boy brain or your boy's like behavior, it has not a reflection of your bad parenting. So yeah, I hope you're learning a lot from this because I have learned to detach myself from a lot. And as my boys have gotten older, what I've realized is the shame and fear from the cultural expectation of men. One is is not my responsibility in the sense that I can't change the whole freaking culture out there and how my boys react emotionally. But it's who I've needed to become to hold that safe, 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 safe psychological space for my boys, especially my oldest, to feel safe to open up to me. Um, yeah, that has been that has been a marathon. That has been like, I mean, I've won gold awards for that one because holy shit, the inner work you need to do to hold that psychological safety for a man or a boy to open up emotionally and be honest with you, that is like, yeah. And then for them to do the inner work to become so that you are not taking on their fear or their shame and you're saying, cool, what are you going to do about it, right? We're walking a fine line here. So I hope you're gaining value from this conversation. Let's continue. I want to go to that and talk about a little bit about your story. like. We didn't open up like that because I'm like, mm-hmm. I want the, I want people to get like, I say tips and strategies and I'm so against that when people are like, give me some quick tips and strategies, but I love the takeaways of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but give us a little short version of why you got into this. And I think having a perspective from a teacher is really like, it just warms my heart because I'm like, okay, there's an actual yeah. difference here. So yeah, yeah, just tell us that story. Well, I have my elementary ed degree, and we never talked about the difference between boys and girls in university. We talked about classroom management, but never from, oh, you know, boys are going to be more active typically. And then I I just realized this lately. Um, when we moved to a new school, my I raised two girls, and my youngest was in kindergarten. So I was, you know, helper in the classroom. And this teacher had taught for 30 years and it blows my mind to think that this teacher had this attitude. And I think about how many kids she affected. She was so clearly against boys. It was so blatant, still brings tears to my eyes. For instance, Friday, you get a treat. If you've been good all week, you get a treat. You don't. Guess what? The girls got treats. The boys never got treats. Can you imagine the message to those boys to observe that, to feel that? 
how bad they are. I mean, you talk about shame. What's wrong with me? This is happening. They don't even know what they've done. They're just being them. So fast forward, I was um, teaching in a Waldorf school and I had my first grade was 10 boys and two girls. And as I said, like, I didn't know anything about boys, but I started to reach out. At that time, there were only about two people in the world talking about boys. And of course, I connected with them and I just realized how how much we need to change education mm-hmm. and how and and I was also having moms come to me. I still have moms come to me. What I don't understand my boy. I was raised with sisters. I didn't have a dad. What is going on with these boys? And so that's the place where I think the shame and the fear is is so embedded so early mm-hmm. for our boys. And so I just, you know, we, we've got to change the system, but we've got to change our, just our, you know, acceptance mm-hmm. of, oh, this boy is noisy. He's loud. What I always think of you, Heather, when I talk about um, earplugs, remember the conference, you had this yeah. big bowl of earplugs, moms, it's okay to put in earplugs if your boys yeah. are being rambunctious and your nervous system is fried put in earplugs. Tell them you are, but do it. I actually, I've never felt guilty for putting in earplugs, but I know a lot of people do feel guilty for wearing earplugs or noise canceling headphones Mm -hmm. um, because I can see past the guilt of, well, they're going to think I'm not listening to them. And I'm like, no, just communicate what's going on and just say, Hey, this is so I don't yell, you know, you be you. And, you know, if you need me, come tap me on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, there's, it's fascinating, but the earplug trick has been the biggest, you know, parenting hack in my entire life and just Mm -hmm. focus hack as well. So it's, it's mind blowing. Um, I I have a, this isn't controversial, but I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this question before. So I'm assuming the whole conversation about this is like beyond the diagnosis. So we can get into neurodiversity in a second, but I do want to get into gender. Okay. Before I get into the gender topic with Janet, I want to give you perspective of where I'm coming from. I am the type of person who can sit in neutrality, meaning um, I don't want to project my beliefs onto other people and vice versa. I love, one of the things that brings me so much joy is being able to have a conversation with somebody who has the complete opposite belief system as I do. And yet we can sit there and respect each other as human beings. And so what I mean by this is when you're talking about gender, right? Trans man, trans woman, or whatever you non-binary, like whatever you identify as. And I know that there's a spectrum there. Obviously me even engaging in this conversation indicates that I have belief that people um, are open. Like how people want to identify is none of my fucking business. That is my belief. Okay. Here's my point. i Well, now I'm telling you my beliefs. So I guess I do have beliefs. But my point is when I'm having these conversations with people, I show up 
curious. I try not to project my belief system onto another human being. And I know that can be wildly triggering for people. So you may have your own beliefs and that's totally fine. But one of the things that I really grabbed onto when I was going through um, my education in university was there is biology, right? There's a physical biology, which is like how your body is going to function in a uh, with your sex organs. And then there is sociology, which is how we socialize in society based on gender roles. So there's a huge spectrum of that, just like every other spectrum. My goal is to get you curious and to get you in a place as a parent or a caregiver where you can sit in neutrality and go, This child in front of me identifies as, and what can I do as an adult to allow this human being in front of me, this soul having a human experience, allow them to create, to feel safe in my presence. That is my goal here, is to allow children to feel safe in the presence of adults. That is my goal. So going into this quick conversation that I have with Janet, I'm curious if this triggers anything within you, pay attention to your trigger. Maybe it's fear because of the child you're raising and you're afraid to let them go out into the world. Maybe it is your own uh, belief systems. But at the end of the day, my goal as a I guess I want to say thought leader or someone who has these conversations is to always allow human beings to feel safe in my presence. Let's dive in to gender. Mm -hmm. I'm sure this has Mm -hmm. come up for you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And as I'm talking to you, I am aware of this, like in my social work, you know, we did sociology and all of that very clear, the biology of a male and female brain, like the actual organs, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, and then gender, gender expectations are a very different, like that's the sociology of it mm-hmm. and then the biology of it. So mm-hmm. what have you learned about that when those things start, you know, um, trans boys or mm-hmm. when gender, mm-hmm. but they still have the biology of the boy mm-hmm. brain? Yeah. Well, I always tell parents, you know, some parents, as they listen to me talk, are like, wait a minute, that feels more like me, or that feels more like my daughter than my son. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's the continuum. It's you you might fall way over here on male brain. Um, there's a, the bridge brain, which is a bit of both. And I think a lot of us are that bridge brain. And so it might be a more verbal male. You might have a son who talks your ear off and that's just a little difference in his brain. It's all good. And so I always feel like what I talk about is just simply understanding another person, yeah. whatever they look like. It's, re, it's, it's stepping out of you and your way of communicating and understanding other people and going, oh, ooh, yeah, he doesn't want me to talk for 10 minutes straight. Oh, okay. I get it. I understand that. And then I, I can embrace the pause and be, and not take it personally. That's the other thing. 
We take it so personally. Oh, he forgot what I was talking about this morning over coffee. How could he forget? That was so important. And so, you know, it's like, give him a break. Just give him the cliff notes before you start again. Hey, honey, I want to touch in on that conversation about our boy. And remember, we talked about blah, blah, blah. And then you're, then you're, he's not feeling shame because he forgot what you said because he, you know, that box is over there and he's in a different box in his brain. So just remind him and be okay with reminding him. Don't be like, oh, you forgot again and you're not listening to me. Mm -hmm. Give it up. It's not worth it. It's just not worth the, the, um, friction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now a quick word from today's sponsor, AG1. Since I've been drinking AG1, I've noticed an overall feeling of health, more sustainable energy throughout the day, improved digestion, better poops, and definitely support for mental clarity and focus. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, your probiotic, and more one in one simple drinkable habit. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I love my travel packs. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash EU for emotionally uncomfortable. That's drinkag1.com forward slash EU and check it out. So what I'm hearing you say is... Like it's the biology is very different. We are not supposed to operate the same, of course. And then we have the uniqueness of every individual Mm -hmm. throwing gender stereotypes on top of that or cultural um, barriers from diversity of however you show up in the world. And but at the core of this conversation, it's really like the biology behind the, the brain difference and how we show up in the world. And then you stack on all these other things mm-hmm. that, that make a person. And we can't stereotype one individual. So, okay. I like people are definitely going to go to your podcast and just like acquire so much information. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is like, we can never just say like, this is it. Like follow yeah. my three-step process and you're, you're going to have the perfect child, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But let's add on another little block of challenge. And we haven't even gotten to the school system, which we may or may not. Maybe you mm-hmm. can give some tips or like where people should focus because I'm sure there's a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about neurodiversity, whatever that diagnosis is. But this mm-hmm. private podcast was titled Beyond the Diagnosis, because I think from my own experience, um, so many people, when they struggle with their children's behavior, like from the best possible place, they're like, I need answers. I need answers. And what they typically start to do is go down this diagnosis path, but they forget that their child is a human first Mm -hmm. and part of their like behavior is humanness. And even if they do have neurodiversity, even if they do have like, they're so outside of the box and you have incredible challenges. Let's talk about that and how that Mm -hmm. can maybe also add to the boy brain or what you have seen Mm -hmm. um, in your research and your Mm -hmm. years of all of this. 
I'm so glad you talked about the stacking because this, I feel like understanding this difference is the foundation. Absolutely. It's like, that's, you know, put on those glasses, always look at it that way. Then you start stacking. And often for our dear, sweet boys, a mom, a parents might get to kindergarten and first grade again. And the teacher is saying, you need to have him tested. He can't sit still. You need to have him tested. Okay. So now we're getting into stacking and we're talking about other areas like education, neurodiversity, um, labeling, diagnosis, all the things. Remember, my intention for these conversations is for you to create a connected relationship with your child, for you as a caregiver to create safe space for your children to feel like they have a caring adult who's advocating on their behalf. As a mother of three boys with three very different brains, I completely understand the fatigue and the exhaustion that comes with advocacy and also, um, you know, trying to look at your own mental health and balance your own responsibilities and all the things. So it's a twofold conversation that we're having, which is how do you show up in the world feeling alive and energized? That's required in order for you to have the capacity to advocate for your children's needs. But when we're constantly projecting and we're angry and frustrated, our children can feel that. And when our children feel that, they start to develop more shame as like there's something wrong with them. Another thing that I didn't expect as a parent was how messed up the educational system is um, when it comes to raising children. And most teachers will tell you this as well because it's a broken system, just like our healthcare systems. So we're working within broken systems. So I ask myself as a parent, like, what, what do I have control over? What system do I have control over? And the only system I have control over is my ecosystem, which is me as an individual. I have control over my actions and how I show up and also the ecosystem in my home. So if I'm trying to improve the energy in my home and I'm trying to improve the energy with myself, I can at least create two safe spaces for my children to show up in. So when they do go out into the world and there's things I cannot control out there, um, one, they're developing the skills to navigate the world because I think so often, I mean, we need those skills. I have to go out into the world too. And um, yeah, so this is about where can I create safety for my children, um, but also not burning yourself out as you are trying to advocate for your children because that is just exhausting. And sometimes we just need to let go and surrender and be like, you know what? What can we do here? So let's continue the conversation. To have him tested. Number one, it's so important to understand developmentally a boy, typically broad generalization again, you know, could be girls. A boy is typically a year to a year and a half behind what is expected at his chronological age. So you think about that six-year-old sitting in kindergarten who is more like a five-year-old or a four-and-a-half-year-old. And what are we piling on this kid? Oh, use a pencil. His hands aren't ready to use a pencil. He doesn't have the fine motor skills yet. Sit still. Listen to this story. Um, manage your body. And, you know, he's all over the place and he wants to touch his friends because that's how he bonds. And girls are more able. They're 
more mature at birth, they're more mature. And so that six-year-old girl sitting in kindergarten can sit and she can write her name and she can do all these things back to the shame thing. And there's the six-year-old boy looking around going, I can't do that. What's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. So I think that especially for the ADHD diagnosis, it is so important to understand your boy and his need for physical activity and what's happening in the environment. Are there screens? Is the TV on all the time? Does he have games that, you know, are light up and make noise? That is, that may be attributing to his inability to sit still. So I just caution parents and absolutely there are some kids who benefit from medicine and all of that, but um, nutrition and sleep and time in nature, calm household, all of those things, try that stuff first before there's a label on your child. And And always, even if there is a label, it's like, see the person first. Yeah. Look at these differences. What, what's going on and make sure that there, that you are looking at these other factors. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to add just a little other layer to this as a modern parent raising boys who are probably on screens in the other room right now because Mm -hmm. who have access to go outside and do all the things. There is this like modern culture of our, their childhood is not what our childhood was. Right. And things have changed. The way that they are interacting has changed with each other. And to manage all of that is exhausting as a Mm -hmm. parent. And there's so much shame that I'm doing it wrong because I know that they're on screens when they shouldn't be on screens, Mm -hmm. air quotes. And then maybe we did get a diagnosis. Maybe they are on medication because I hear this a lot from parents as well. Um, And now I feel guilty for that too. And I'm like, let's like, let's just, you know, I say modern medicine saved my life, regardless of people's expectations. I don't think we'd be having a conversation right now, Mm -hmm. but it's like this and so wherever you are in your journey, be like, okay, this is this is the season we're in. And like, oh, great. He finally got a good night's sleep. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to I'm gonna look for resources. I'm going to go listen to Janet's podcast and dig into her experts and read their books and do the things and just go mm-hmm. down those rabbit holes that we don't mm-hmm. need to settle for this can't be it. So what do you say for modern parenting where screens are such an issue? I'm sure this Mm -hmm. is like a number one question you get. Number one question. And, you know, I mean, I am so grateful. I raised my kids before screens and we didn't actually, we watched movies, but we didn't have a TV in our house. So that is um, so foreign to me, by the way. Yeah. Well, I mean, this was 30 years ago, 25 years ago. I mean, I had the integration. The dark ages. Yeah. 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 And my kids will say they got out of high school without cell phones and social media, and they are so grateful that they didn't have to deal with that. So I I encourage parents all the time, your kids are going to push. They're going to, they will never ask for less media. So if you have young children, you, you, that's great. Cause you can start with no media, less media. And 
we want our kids to be able to think creatively. We want them to create their own images and pictures and, oh, this could work this way. And when we give them screens, the, the image is, it's static. It's in their brain. It's that thing. And not that that's awful, but we want to make sure they have that time to daydream that time to just, you know, walk around and look at a tree or, you know, just sit and sit and read a book. And so we have to be the gatekeepers. They cannot, cannot, we cannot manage our media usage. They absolutely cannot. And so taking that expectation away of, oh, you have 20 minutes, that's all you get. That is a battle right there. So just entering it in that way of like, my child needs my help with this, even if it looks like he doesn't. And boys are typically more, um, spend more time online. And now we think, oh, he's online, but he's with, he, you know, he's socializing with people. He's with his friends. Great. And he needs face-to-face friendships. He needs in-person interaction. And many boys, because they're less mature, those interactions are really hard. It's hard to read someone else's body language. And, you know, then all the language is coming at you and all the interpretation that we do so quickly, it takes them longer. It's harder work. Yeah. So guess what? Let's avoid that and just get back online. So as hard as it is, you have to be the gatekeeper. Mm. And, you know, if it means that you You know, some families I know have like screen-free Sundays. So they have a day when they're out going for a hike or just doing whatever you want to do as a family and the screens are put away. And, you know, of course, it always is us too. You know, we've got to manage our device use as well. And it's not easy. None of this is easy. It's made parenting so hard and it has created so many battles in stress in families. And it's, it's really just, you know, there's no right answer. There's no like do this and it will fix everything. But I think too, helping older boys just understand, oh, how do you feel when you've been online for six hours Mm -hmm. and you've been eating potato chips, you know, so, um, no screens in in their rooms, in their bedrooms, you know, all these things will be a battle that you have to fight. You have to. There's so much more I could say, and I'll <laughs> yeah, do it in the, I'll, I'll do it in the commentary. All right, you heard me say it there. I said I was going to add some commentary, so here it is. I'm a mother, working mother outside, well, inside the home, but full-time in my business. And yes, I can create time freedom and time flexibility. But that is beyond this challenge with the screen epidemic. Now, practically speaking, I'm going to tell you, I get a lot of clients who come into my programs and our mastery program, and sometimes they come in and their challenge is parenting. And they're trying to learn how to hold that boundary when the children give pushback. And I'm telling you, I get all of it, okay? I get all of the pushback. but. I believe our children's behavior is here to teach us something. And the reality is we live in a modern culture where this is just the mountain that we have to climb. And they're going to hate you for it. 
They're going to give you pushback. But your job is not to be liked by your children. Your job is to allow your children to feel safe in your presence. And so this goes beyond yelling and screaming and saying, my kids don't listen to me. They're allowed to give you pushback. That is their job, right? Their brains are hardwired for this. They are also born in a culture where essentially they can come out of the womb and be given an iPad. So expect the pushback. But are you emotionally strong enough to hold that projection? to hold those big emotions. That's what I want to teach you is to gain the emotional intelligence skills and the resiliency to be able to hold that space for your children to say, I see that you're having a tantrum is totally fine to know how to walk away and to know how to hold that boundary. Because after time, your children understand that like, oh, I can get away with this. So it's holding your ground in a kind, loving, compassionate way. And I will tell you from personal experience, we have rules and then the rules are broken. We have rules and the rules are broken. So if you are going to create something in your home and you are the only adults, because maybe your partner won't um, abide by those rules as well, I know that's an extra layer of frustration. So I feel you. I see you. You are not alone. But if you really want change, change is possible you just have to chip away at it on a daily basis. And if this is something you want support around and you want a community around, then head on over to Heather Chauvin, C-H-A-U-V-I-N.com forward slash mastery and get on our interest list. We, um, we open the doors to our mastery coaching experience and the first round is four weeks. And then after that, you're welcome to continue if you desire, but this really gives you the foundation and the jump start to feeling in alignment with how you want to feel, not only in your personal life, in other aspects, maybe your health, your money, your time, your energy, but also in your parenting as well, so that you can form these boundaries with your children and jump into who you want to be and be really, really proud of yourself breaking those generational patterns. Commentary because... I agree with everything that you're saying and that whole battle to fight is like, it's the same thing as like the, the battle to like feel alive, the battle, the battle to like become the person you want to be. It's either we are actively creating the relationship and the life we want for our boys and ourselves and our children and all the things or we are regressing and we can resist it all we want. We can blame, we can shame, we can yell, we can be like, boys will be boys and blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, if we are not like taking active advocacy of like their brains, their educational mm -hmm. system, how they feel about themselves, we are just doing the world a huge disservice. And yeah. um, Janet, I could talk to you forever and ever <laughs> and ever and ever, but you are a wealth of knowledge and information. And I would love for you not only to tell everyone where they can go find you, because I know you have your podcast. Uh, they can reach out to you personally if they want one-on-one -on -one support. Mm -hmm. So we're going to tell them that. But before we do that, what names of experts have been like maybe the top three for you where you're like, mm -hmm. this is the person for, you know, boy brains, this person, this person, whether they're current or past, like who are the mm -hmm. top three people? Oh man, it's like who what 
who's your favorite child? But I will say the the I do have earliest, a favorite child. You know who they are. <laughs> I'm just yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, children, we're kidding. Um, early on, and this is like back in the mid-90s, and he is actually still active. So I encourage our listeners to seek out Steve Biddle. And his last name is B-I-D-D-U-L-P-H. And he is, oh, he's just delicious. And we've interviewed him twice on the On Boys podcast. And he's he's got that depth and warmth that backed up by research. And that is just, it's, it's, mm. it's dreamy. And it's easy to, you know, it's, it's very female. We can just access that really well. Um, I think if you're interested culturally, what's going on for our boys, Richard V. Reeves has written a book called, I think it's On Boys and Men, and he's part of the Brookings Institute. So he's doing research constantly about our boys and the state of males in our society. So that's an excellent read. And we also have interviewed him on the podcast. So you can just pop over and hear that. Um, I think the other person... Well, I've got to say the other person who just is so wise and nurtures me every week because she's my podcast co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink. She's written a a book called Building Better Boys, and she has raised four boys. They're in their teens and 20s now. So if you want, you know, the wisdom of been there, done that, it is Jen's book, Building Better Boys. So there's three and I could go on. I could go on. Yes. So let's talk about, okay. One thing I want to wrap up, which is so weird why I'm having this aha moment right now. I've known you for like 10 years. Or more. Yeah. It's been 10-ish years. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Probably 11, maybe 11 years. (laughs) And in 2020, of course everything happened and everyone, you know, became a, uh, they understood what ally was. They started Mm -hmm. talking about allyship and I didn't like in my, my mind is blown right now. I don't know why I've never viewed you as an ally for boys, for men. Mm -hmm. And I just had a conversation with you before I hit record that, um, you know, I'm really starting to respect the male brain and like, because I have done a lot of healing with the whole, with my daddy issues and men in my life Mm -hmm. and not, uh, swinging to the other side where I become like hyper independent and like learning to receive Mm -hmm. right. And the, the yin and the yang of the male and female brain, no idea why I just had that aha moment where I was like, you've always been an ally. And I, I know you're an ally for lots of people, but, Mm -hmm. um, sometimes we're advocating for, you know, like the younger version of ourselves and you're advocating for, you've never had a male brain and just learning and advocating. And I just wanted Mm to, I don't know, bring that to your awareness. I don't know why I had an aha moment. Thank you. Yeah. You did it before it was cool. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I did. Yeah. I mean, we're talking mid nineties. It was not cool talking about boys was not cool. We were talking about girls. And I do have to also just plug in here that I became a grandmother in 2022, an Oma to a boy, which has been, just has added to my respect, regard, love of males. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, and, and it's what you said, Heather, we need both. We absolutely need both. So, you know, I, Also, 
driving by a construction site or highway, you know, people out there on the highway, it's males. And I just always like throw out a little heart note to them of thank you for doing the hard work that we as females, I don't want to be on a construction site, you know, pouring concrete all day. Our men are out there doing hard physical labor. So to make our lives better, support them, cheer them on, because I don't want to be out there. And I, I feel like male, female, you know, whatever those other, I'm going to call it, what did I call it? Diversity blocks. But it's like, Mm -hmm. we all have the thing, like, let's just be better allies for all humans and try to understand each other better so that one, we can get along and, but there's this mutual respect and empathy and like just adding more chairs to the table of like, I'm curious about your perspective. I'm curious. And so we're like as women taking on less because we do a lot of that. They're talk about the secret mother load, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, men are struggling too. And yeah. we need to really recognize that because they're not talking about it on social mm-hmm. media like women do yeah. or blogs or all the things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where can people connect with you one-on-one um and listen to the podcast? Yeah, the podcast is on boys. You can find it anywhere you find your podcasts and um, reach out to me, Janet at boysalive.com and um, let me know what's going on for you. And we can, you know, talk one-on-one and uh, yeah, reach out. You don't have to do this alone. It is, it's new. It's different. You Mm -hmm. likely have maybe not heard this before or heard a snippet of it, but I really encourage you to explore. We've got six years of archives in the Envoys Parenting Podcast, so you could probably Google a topic and there will be information for you. Janet, I love you. And I'm just going to advocate for anyone who is listening, who's struggling or in a WTF season and you thought you got it down pat and then your boy turned into a teenager or something. That's what I do. I email Miss Janet and I say, (laughs) I need a coaching session. Uh, Please help me. And she does. And she allows me to see it from a different perspective. So I really encourage you to do the same if you're seeking support and go check out on voice. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Heather. I love you too. All right, there you have it. And I hope maybe you started listening to this episode because you're really challenged with your boy's behavior and you wanted some quick tips or strategies. And if you listen to it till the end, you maybe gained a little more compassion. Um, Janet and I talked about a lot of things. And I will tell you, as a woman who had to be independent very early on, A lot of people perceive me as incredibly strong and responsible and the doer of all things. And although I have found a really good balance on how to be myself these days, um, I realized that for many, many years, my walls were put up around um, men and the male brain. And I just want to encourage you and invite you that most of the time of what happened to us in our own childhood um, with men in our lives does play out in how we're raising our boys. Um, It can be very sneaky, but it does play out. And so 
we matter, our healing matters, and also how we treat other people matters. It doesn't matter gender or gender identity. Um, My goal is to allow every single child to feel safe in the presence of an adult. And I believe as adults, it is our job to have the emotional intelligence skills to hold the sacred space for the child. Um, Because I don't believe in bad children or bad behavior. I believe behavior is a language. So if you gain value from this, um, please take a screenshot, share it on social media, share it with a friend. You can share the link directly if you're listening to this on Spotify or whatever. Share it with somebody. Um, Let them know about my book, Dying to Be a Good Mother. Let them know about Janet. And just spread the message. Because the more and more we spread information, and it can literally save somebody's life. So that's it. That's all I wanted to say. And thank you for being here. And I hope you enjoy the next episode.